Well, we're back. Should we choose to I, accept? It just seemed epic. I don't know. It seemed like, <laughs> you know, it's Mission Impossible. It's like spies and stuff. <laughs> you needed you need that return of like in a podcast. <laughs> two men sit and do you know what I mean? Like it's it's got that <laughs> two men. Do, I'm so confused. Sit and review a movie. It's got that yeah. like it's got that old school Hollywood, mm. sure. like '90s early 2000s movie theater voice. Mm, oh yeah, which is gone. Trailers. I was thinking about trailers the other day, and that has really gone the way of the dodo. His name. So there was there's several people that did it. Um, oh okay. Is it Fontaine? Hang on, movie trailer voice guy. There was while like you one look up the mo- guy. While you while you look it up, do the segue intro the show. Hello do- and welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Movie Med Podcast. I am Peter, and the person about to enlighten us about that iconic voice is Brady. Yeah, so his name is Don Lafontaine. That's for number one. That's a pretty sweet name. And he passed away in 2008. And listen, uh, there were other people shoot. that there are other people who did it. Um, okay. Like yeah. there's, there's, I've actually watched like a little mini documentary on them. Um, Fascinating. There's, there's like the go to Disney guy, like the voice of Disney VHS tapes, where it's like, you know, this summer, bring home Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> or like, you know, this, you, you'd know it if you heard it. I'm doing a horrible impression of it. But yeah, like yeah. that main in a world. That was Don LaFontaine. And mm, I'm looking okay. at this. So he passed away in 2008 at the age of 68. Hmm. And I'm kind of thinking that that sort of lines up timeline-wise mm. with when that started to fade out. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Maybe without Don there, the other people, you know, like the industry, because there were certainly other people that could do it and could have like sure. filled that role. But I guess it, maybe it just wasn't wasn't worth it anymore like it was like i don't know maybe it was just like in bad taste like maybe like you know what it's not the same without good old buddy he he was known by three other names in hollywood he was known as the king of movie trailers okay thunderthroat (laughs) okay fantastic yep and the voice of god which also seems pretty pretty spot on that seems appropriate (laughs) <laughs> so mission impossible mission impossible 3 is it um, officially is it mission impossible 3 or is it mi3 oh i don't know i've called it both and mi3 has a ring to it but i don't know what the official is mission impossible 3 let's see what it okay we are still in the full title mission impossible i know the logo for this one is um is just mi3 so I think either, I think either's correct. Either's correct. Okay. Um, but this is the last Mission Impossible film with a numerical naming protocol, right? Which is confusing from a quickly referring to them perspective. But it- at least, at least if you don't know the series real well, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, 007 never did that. There's no, no not at 0073. All. <laughs> whatever the hell that would be i don't i can't even thunderball or some crap thunderball goldfinger yeah oh well, maybe it was goldfinger i don't know but uh yeah we're back 
and uh, we're ever steadfast in our journey to make it to having seen all of the Mission Impossible films. This is an interesting series for us because you're a big Tom cruise and I've really come... I Now listen, I have definitely... I was on the fence before, I've really come around now, but I was recently chatting with friends of ours like in passing really briefly mm-hmm. where the maters like dropped him like oh well no one hates tom cruise more than brady and i was like well he's yeah, it's actually, not quite true he's yeah it's not yet. quite true anymore it's not that it's not as much of a trope as it was as it used to be of yours uh, you know it's, it's not yeah i would say i'm still not the biggest tom cruise fan like i'm not a tom sure. cruise fanboy no, no, but no. I don't hate him anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I and I don't see where like I think I've kind of settled where I'm going mm-hmm. to settle. I don't see me. I think I've seen enough of Tom Cruise that if I were to reach fanboy status, that would have happened by now, and it hasn't happened. So I think I'm just yeah, yeah. I, I Tom Cruise, sure, he's good. <laughs> Uh, but this was an interesting series because you are a Tom Cruise fan, mm-hmm. or have become one, and were pretty, as much as I was, ignorant to the Mission Impossible series. Like, you knew it yeah. existed, but you hadn't yeah. seen them. Yeah. Outside of, had you seen the first one prior to us doing this? I think I had seen the first one, okay. yeah. Yeah, which, so had I. So, we were both mm-hmm. we were both there, um, mm-hmm. but we're in uncharted <laughs> waters. Here. Are we ever? And um, and we're moving forward because we've got Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Three, which Carl and I talked about recently on the news show. And I don't know if you've heard that episode yet. Mm-mm. They just they were just recently doing the test screenings for Mission Impossible: uh, Dead Reckoning Part One. Okay. And oh. Do you know where I'm going with this? I do. Go continue. So it's not unusual that what gets test screened is not the final cut of the film. Right? right. They're gonna go in, yep. they're gonna change a couple things based on the feedback they get from the test screening. Sure. Yep. But we're not that far out. Like, Dead Reckoning comes out this summer. Yeah, we're four months away. If? Really three, to be honest. Yeah. And so, you can cut some. You can rearrange some sequences so that, like, oh, okay, let's let's put a cut here and check back in with this, si- this side story that's happening, because we need to check in with that sooner for audience retention, blah, 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 blah. But you can't, like... You know, it's not like the director's, it's not like the assembly edit. So the first edit that happens in a film is the assembly cut, mm. which is basically we take everything we shot and we put it together. <laughs> we basically, it, it's like we we edit together a version that echoes the script exactly the way the script was written. Right. But there's two sets of there's two sets of there's two stages when it comes to writing a film there's writing the script and then there's the rewriting that happens in the editing room right where you change mm. the, the 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 shot order to convey a different emotion you cut scenes out you you know like you you basically rewrite the movie very often in the editing suite sure yep um 
And so that it's it's not uncommon for that assembly cut to be four, four and a half hours long. Because you've just you've literally shot everything, and it's from a mm-hmm. couple of different angles, and it's you know from whatever else. Yeah. Usually, the test screening is pretty close to the length that the film is going to be because you're this far out, and so if you're going to cut things out of it, you're maybe shaving off five, maybe ten minutes, maybe. Currently, the test screening for Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part 1 is clocking in at just over three and a half hours. <laughs> That's a lot of Mission Impossible. So I don't know what's right. going on. And and so I just want to cut you off, because even when you were saying in those other circumstances, maybe they'll shave off 10 minutes. Like, 10 minutes can be pretty significant of... Oh, uh, you can remove whole storylines. Absolutely. You can, exactly. Storylines or character backstory, or even just really making it a seamless, smooth what narrative of what you're doing. So 10 minutes can be pretty yeah. earth-shattering. You can, but- you, can, you can remove a character that was in the trailer <laughs> of your movie, and then now yeah. you're in a lawsuit yeah. because of it. Yeah, totally. It's, it's possible. Totally. Uh, my phone's veep, veeping on me here. Let me just put Uh-oh. that on silent. Uh, so anyways, this is what we do. We sit down, much like we... It's basically the same formula as our Mission Impossible series. So we're going to sit down. We watch the same the as our Mission James Bond series. That's absolutely what I meant. Yep. Um, we watch the movie, and then we rank the film on eight different categories. Those categories very quickly being plot... Tom Cruise's performance, villain, gadgets, fights, f- bleh, flight, f- flights, fights slash action, romantic interest. I mean, interest. Tom Cruise is a pilot, so we he should re- critique his flights. And something I was thinking during this movie was, is it contractually obligated right at this point for any Tom Cruise film that he has to ride a motorcycle on an airstrip? Because... <laughs> I was just like, uh, okay, are we recycling Top Gun footage here? Like, what's happening? Um, Fights slash action, romantic interests, supporting (laughs) characters, and the intro sequence. So that's like the the tee up to the film that happens before and including the theme song with the on-screen graphics and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Let's dive in. Very fun set of critiques. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's dive in. And oh, and so then we take all those eight categories. We average, we give each one of them a number on a scale of one to 10. We take those eight numbers, we average them, and that gives us our, our, as objective as we can get, um, rating of, for the film. It kind of removes, like, the point of it is to, to sort of remove that gut reaction number that you would give it. Mm-hmm. It forces you to break down the elements. And, and mm-hmm. go, okay, well, you know, how, on a more analytical level, how was this film? Okay, so let's jump and, right and, in. And just have like a standardized approach, which yeah, so that we you're afforded know. that opportunity when you have a, a serial sh- uh, series of like seven films. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. let's dive right in, shall we? Absolutely. The first category up is plot. Now I'm going to shock you. <laughs> I gave the plot of this film a 10 out of 10. Oh, my Lord. Good heavens. For several reasons. One is... <laughs> to it's, floor me. It's not... It's a little 
like spy movie tropey, but it's not near as spy movie tropey as the last two that we've gotten, right? The last two being there's a list with the identity of all of our secret right. agents and then you know blah blah blah, and then this yep. one and then the second one was like there's a bioengineered <laughs> super virus. This is just like okay, mm. come on, um, yeah. So this was a little less, I mean, yes, we're dealing with essentially like a nuclear device, blah, blah, blah. But you you can't entirely avoid that altogether, right? These mm-hmm. films are going to have something of that kind of element in them because yep. that's, you know, that's that's the world these characters are, are mm-hmm. living in and dealing with. Yep. Um, it's entertaining. You've yep. got twists. You've got double twists. You've got twists yeah. that that y- y- have duped you twice. <laughs> you have it becoming. You have you have the motives of our character becoming so personal on a level that we've not seen it become personal before. With and I, bringing I, his wife into it, and I'd say not only that, but for me, it was just after we've watched all these James Bond films. On a level that just I wasn't even expecting in such a action-y series of a film. Yes. Right? Like, it's yeah. just just for not only Mission Impossible, it was shocking for me, but just like as an industry or like in the genre, it was quite surprising mm-hmm. to me. You have a really nice and not cheesy feeling representation of Ethan balancing like kind of get he's he's kind of walked away from it because he wants a quieter home life now and he's kind of getting yeah. drawn back in because it is personal and yeah. so he, he feels a connection to this mission even before his wife gets dragged into it and so he's kind mm-hmm. of balancing that home life and like this facade that he works at at the department of transportation and like oh, right and yeah. And so all of those things gave gave like would have given this like a seven eight maybe an eight point five. We don't do point fives for these categories, but it, 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 no. it would have it would have elevated it up. What drove this home? What made this a ten out of ten? Okay, was that for the very first time in any Mission Impossible film mm-hmm. that we've watched up until this point in any of the 007 films, <laughs> even the easy to follow 007 films. Yep. This yep. was the very first time watching a espionage spy movie okay. where there was not a single line of dialogue. There was not a single plot point. There was not a single gesture that felt too steeped in the governmental espionage jargon that I found it difficult to follow. Even movies even movies that are like easy to you know like Casino Royale's not that difficult to follow. No. But there's still moments. There's still moments where you're like, "Oh, okay, that's some that's some like <laughs> super secret spy talk or whatever or like I I most I understand the stakes enough to follow along and and be engaged and know what's happening mm. but there's like one or two details that seem a little like right i would You're have taking... to have a job with the government <laughs> in order to understand the implications of what's being said right you're you're taking it on faith at times yes that never happened i was so engaged i never had a moment where i was like okay i'm a little lost i was i was with this 
the whole way through, and I did not realize how refreshing that was going to be until it happened. And that elevated this to a 10 out of 10. Sir, what do you give the plot? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shocked. Because ten out of ten is is pretty is, is it's something. high, man. Yeah, I didn't dislike it. Don't get me wrong. I, I gave it a seven out of ten. So I didn't okay. have any problems That's with the plot. Still respectable. Very respectable. I'm very respectable for J.J. Abrams uh, making his directing debut, not only in this series, but I think it was his first directing feature ever. The sec. I, I got to tell you, the second it said. The second J.J. Abrams' name came up on the screen, yeah. I like refocused my attention on the scene and like started looking at like windows Ooh. in the background and stuff of this convenience store. And I'm like, oh yeah, there are the lens flares. There they are. <laughs> it's like this is this is, but it never got obnoxious. It didn't get obnoxious no. the way that it did in like the Star Trek movies, where you're just like, I can't even right. see anyone on the screen for these lens flares. Like, what is happening? <laughs> but they were definitely there. He started out with them in his career, apparently. Interesting. Well, and it's kind of interesting now. I'm just thinking about this now. Like, Mission Impossible has turned its way into an iconic franchise, but at this point, it's just number three. So it's you know. It's still finding its legs, so to speak. It's had some success, obviously, to continue. So it's not like he's there to rejuvenize the series, but he's still putting his fingerprint on it. So he is. And he's not a nobody at this point. Like at this point, no. we're already two years into Lost. Yeah. And so, like, definitely when I say for, like uh, debut directorial, he has a That's boatload of film. experience in like producing things and being involved creatively, just not directing mm-hmm. so which is crazy because um, then the next feature film that he directs what is it is star trek oh it is okay so, so this guy just like they just held, handed <laughs> right? him the keys to like iconic Do stuff. Uh, reboot yeah, franchises and then he only does like a hand like so he does star trek and yeah. then he does super eight which was right uh, i enjoyed but it was more of like which, a niche thing which we've reviewed so check it out yep. if you haven't uh, then the sequel to Star Trek, and then Star Wars. Okay. Like, he just oh literally, my gosh. he was like, here, <laughs> I'm the guy. Like, it's like, yeah, if it's not an iconic franchise, don't waste my time. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, honestly, my notes are eerily similar to yours. So what my comment was, easy to follow. Boom, you hit it. Absolutely. And that's that's worth its weight in gold. Um, and as it relates to that, it's... It's not only just easy to watch as a viewer, but then it makes the characters a bit more interesting or a bit more understandable because you understand what they're motivated for at that point and what their purpose is because you know what is exactly happening at every moment. And so I feel like it makes the story better, but it makes the characters better too. And, um, you know, it's not without its fault. There was a couple small moments where I maybe just like raised an eyebrow or went, huh? And maybe, you know, minor things I'm talking about, though. So not to the point of it being a problem, not to the point of some of the issues we've had in other spy movies we've we've reviewed. So, you know, I maybe that's why I didn't give it a 10 out of 10, but I gave it a 7 out of 10. No problems with the plot here. Super fair. Cool. Uh, Tom Cruise performance. <laughs> I gave it an 8. I Okay. Yeah. And, and it only kind of recovered that eight right towards the end, if I'm being oh, honest. Oh, really? So okay. it, uh, there was a moment, I think on the plane, 
when he he opens up like the floor of the plane and is dangling the villain from the oh, thing. Yeah. And I thought to myself, this is fun. It it it's fun because it's Tom Cruise. Like there's 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 certainly a fun element to it because it's Tom Cruise. But I'd be like but nothing about this is like Tom Cruise isn't blowing me away. He's not showing mm. a level of acting chops or sure. whatever that that I couldn't, you know, that if it were Matt Damon hanging the guy out of the plane <laughs> right. right now, that I wouldn't feel just as much. That I wouldn't be, uh, okay. you know, just as into. And so I was kind of like, I was kind of lukewarm through a lot of this. Up until what, what ultimately raised this number was Tom's performance during the time that the charge has been activated inside his head. Oh. Just him yeah. trying to communicate instructions to, to Jewel, Jules, Julia. Um, and I don't know. I just like, I, I bought it. I really, hmm. really, really bought. Because when, when Lindsay has the charge activated in her head she's doing like she's in pain and it's awful and she can't but she's she's not she doesn't have a lot of stuff to do during that time so she's kind mm -hmm. of just laying there in agony screaming a bunch mm -hmm. and so but we're we're as ethan had to like he had shit to get done he had to <laughs> you know brief julie on how to use this gun and and what we were going to do with this breaker panel and what we were going to and and he's like I don't know. I just bought it. I was just like, hmm. he's not just in pain. Something is like putting pressure on his brain right now. Like he's, he's, he's in bad shape. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, that, I don't know that elevated it for me. I still, you know, I think it could have been just about anyone in this. Like, I don't think, I don't think Tom Cruise brought something to this film in, in the same way that he brought something to like Top Gun Maverick. Um, but it's, it's still, it's fun. There is an element of fun because it's Tom Cruise. So eight out of 10 for Tom Cruise performance. Interesting. And the one thing I'll add is just that scene specifically, I also want to raise attention to because I feel like, yeah, there's the mirroring and... When she has the microchip in her head, there's just so much going on that you don't need it to really come off the screen, right? Like they're all kind of running for their lives. Specifically, she's in mortal danger, but they're they're none of them are safe. And there's a helicopter like weaving through um, wind turbines, and like there's there's so much attention that uh, we're so many things we're giving attention to, but when it's Tom Cruise's mirrored aspect of having that chip in his head, then it's just like, literally that's the only thing happening, the focal thing happening mm -hmm. and the intensity that not only he has to bring in that scene, but like emotional intensity of just the dire, the direness of it. I think it's just, you're right. Like that really brings it forward. And that's a really, really intense scene compared mm -hmm. to what is demanded of that happening at the beginning with a different character. Mm -hmm. Um, but I gave Tom Cruise's performance a seven. I, I'm, I'm on the seven boat so far. I think Ethan is great here. I think he's improved as much as I liked the corny one in MI2. You know, he was just very different. 
uh, he seemed way too James Bondy in number two, where he was just like flipping around cars on like mountaintop highways yeah. and kind of being a bit too cocky. He's this one is his Sean Connery <laughs> a little too much, a little too much. Like just like one scene, he's being James Bond esque, and then he wakes up next to the woman. The next scene, so I I was pretty happy with MI three. Tom Cruise felt he was just rounded and. Again, he cares about his team. He, You can care about him as a person. And then him really having a romantic interest just makes you care deeper for him, too. So, 7 out mm-hmm. of 10. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, next up, we have Villain. I gave this a 9. I mean, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, uh, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, instantly, that elevated it a great deal. Um, and was bittersweet. Like it's, you, you know, it's always great to see him. It's always a little sad to see him because of his untimely yeah. departure. Um, but Owen Davian, I thought was fantastic. And then there's two, two things that are kind of like coupled in with this. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with Owen Davian for a second. He just, yeah, he had this, I'm in charge. He almost, he channeled, a little bit of a Joker essence hmm. when he's being dangled out of a plane, but completely keeping his cool. Like he doesn't. Yeah, break. that's true. And that was just like, oh shit! Like, yeah, it chilling. Got nothing on this guy. Like, yeah, this guy is right? unbreakable. So there's that. Then we have, um, although not a villain. For a while, the film portrays him as one. We have Lawrence Fishburne as Theodore yeah. Brassel. And I mean, it's Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> oh. mean, you, you know, he's fantastic. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Chef's and kiss. so that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you have Musgrave, who turns out to be actually a villain. Um, mm. And this is like the double twist that happens because we're trusting him. He's like our only inside guy when we're, we're lip reading. Um, and played by... Billy Crudup, who I also absolutely adore. Um, he's a little lesser known, I think, for a lot of people. Like some people might not be familiar with him. Um, but he is the, in the 2009 Zack Snyder Watchmen, the one that had like Patrick Wilson and, oh, yeah. um, and Jackie Earl Haley in it. He played Dr. Manhattan. He's the blue. Oh, Okay. He's the blue guy in that. He was in Big Fish, which is a movie I love. He was in Almost Famous um, Hmm. in a bunch of things. But I absolutely... Oh, and he also, in in the DCU, he played um, uh, Barry Allen's father. He was the the imprisoned father of The Flash. Oh, interesting. Okay. I I thought the, the the twists around this villain were just fantastic because essentially we had two villains and and we don't find out until the very end who the second one is. It turns out that Lawrence Fishburne's character, who you very much are like hating, you're like, this guy's scum yeah. throughout yeah. this film. And then yeah. he's, he's like the greatest guy at the end. And you're like, right. oh, this is good. because even before we know that he's bad, he's a dick. He's like a oh, bureaucratic yeah. ass and we don't like... You know, he's, he's towing just kind the of, line. He's towing the line. Yeah, he totally is. And he's just kind of in the way and he's a total pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> but, you know, right up at the end, he's like, 
you know, they're like shooting little like pokes at each other. Like, you know, oh, I'll tell you what the rabbit's foot is if you if you promise to stay on. And, <laughs> you know, he says, you're not leaving. You're not thinking about leaving, are you? This is the best line of the movie. You're not thinking about leaving, are you? And Ethan Hunt says, I'm thinking about going on my honeymoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've earned a break. <laughs> but yeah. anyways, no, I, yeah, villain, nine out of 10, for sure. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm actually the exact same. I gave it a nine as well. I, uh, I mirror a lot of the things that you say and I, let me just see exactly what I wrote. So obviously just chilling, amazing. Um, and I will even say made for an uncomfortable viewing. Like I felt angst and anger and we'll get into this when we give our scores. I didn't have any problems with MI3. But I didn't enjoy it. Oh, really? Okay. And I think it it really boils down to nothing wrong with the film, nothing wrong with Ethan, nothing wrong with the narrative, the plot, things like that. Just unlike specifically number two, that was corny and just action-packed and a lot of fun. This was pretty I serious. I found this one, yeah, it was just so serious and so much angst because... Ethan has leverage. He, you know, it's not just Ethan anymore. He's got a loved one and you've got this psychopath kind of, um, villain who has Ethan kind of where he wants him. Right. So you're always feeling on the edge of how, what is Ethan's not in control. And not only is he not in control, this villain is going to try and do some quite sinister things to get to Ethan. So I feel like for that reason, it wasn't the most enjoyable viewing of a film, and it wasn't the most enjoyable villain. But I still had to give it a nine. It, it was a well, well-written villain, well-written part. It just okay. is uncomfortable. And I will just say, the reason I didn't give it a 10 is just I feel like if he had a bit more backstory and a bit more motivation... Um, I think that would have elevated it to a 10 for me, you know, like in Casino Royale, you have Le Chiffre and you get a bit of backstory of like his underpinnings and the pressures he's facing and so a bit more insight into what's fueling him. Sure. I think if we had a bit of that for this, it would have been a perfect film, but it was okay. still incredible. Okay. Still incredible. Cool. Next up, we have gadgets. Notoriously a category that I put a lot of stock into. I feel like it's 99% of why we're reviewing these films. It's <laughs> just because I want to see some crazy... I want to see laser watches and stuff. Yeah. Um, I gave it an eight. And that's higher than some people might think. Because mm. this wasn't a particularly gadget-heavy movie. Yeah. Um, in terms of like your traditional cheesy spy gadgets, right? We didn't have the exploding gum. We didn't have no. the... The, um, the, we didn't have any laser watches. We didn't have, you know, stuff like that. But what was there this time around, I think really made up for it. Um, Hmm. and so uh, this time our mission briefing comes in the form of a disposable camera. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was neat. An interesting, fun way to like, because you kind of have to, like, you have to keep reinventing that, right? You got to do it a little different each time. Otherwise, it just becomes stagnant. Mm. Yep. Um, so that was fun. There's the um, the metal freezing, shattering foam that gets sprayed on oh. the side of the transport vehicle. 
True, yep. So that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. There's like some call tracing stuff and some some like, you know, guns that shoot out little tracers and trackers and and stuff like that, which was, you know, it, it's fine. It's just kind of is what it is. But for me, and this kind of could fit into action, but I'm tacking it into gadgets because it was such a gadget heavy moment. The breaking into the Vatican. Hmm. When Tom Cruise repels up this wall, like runs up the side of this wall, right? Hands <laughs> that, free. Yeah, that was cool. And the music's going, is you know, whatever else, and then comes down the other side. Right. And you know, does his whole like take the little picture and stick it in front of the camera so that the camera thinks it's, you know, just looking at whatever. And so that's that's fun. That was very spy feeling. But then something about like the icing on the cake, the fantastic moment was he's doing all this as like a ridiculous looking uh, courier driver. And he reaches the other side and in a split second, that disguise is off and he's now a, a pope or he's or not a pope. He's a like a cardinal. Bishop he's or a bishop whatever. or, a, you know, whatever. And that was to me was just like, I was grinning ear to ear. Hmm. I was like, that was sweet. The other thing that's probably really worth noting is we we get a little bit more some tangibility, some grounding of the whole how this mask thing works. Like it's still mm. yep. ridiculous at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. It's still ridiculous. Yep. But we do see like, okay, you know, we scan in the face. And then this thing kind of carves away at this material and then paints it to match so that it's got like a translucent skin look to it and stuff. And like, and so I thought that that was all really cool. And although it was not seamless and it was a little tacky, I thoroughly enjoyed the editing that went into when the mask is going on to Ethan. And first they first like the eyes become seamless and then the mouth mm. becomes seamless and then without there being a cut now it's philip seymour hoffman <laughs> sitting there in that seat and i was just mm. like oh that was well done that that was that was bold mm. that was a bold thing to do because that could have <laughs> totally not worked and it's not seamless but i think it worked so eight out of ten for gadgets and that whole sequence was fun. Just when so fun in the bathroom, and they they do the swap, and it was just fun with as it's involved with the gadgets, like you, like you said, but just the editing and the cutting and the the, the, yeah. the excitement and everything that's, that's waiting going on with waiting it. for the voice print to upload to to the voice changer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, was cool. cool. I was the polar opposite. I gave it a two out of ten. Whoa! Mm. Whoa! <laughs> just good yeah. gravy yeah i just nothing the gadgets laid down in this film i was really that ecstatic about really okay i cool. mean all right. in quotes i've got the vascular id confirmed and i was like all right cool like like i guess this is a thing uh, sure all right the defibrillators from like 1904 that took six years to charge like yeah okay captain medical industry <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this is a MI, Mission Impossible, or whatever they're called, 
is like a tech forefront, like super incredible resources, and yet they've got these crap medical devices. Um, <laughs> the the nasal implants were insane. That oh, yeah. that was, that was and so like cool. it was used is a narrative piece that was terrifying. So like that is okay, that's something. And and the graphic way in which we see oh. like what happens. Because yeah. you don't know the size of the charge until it goes off. I'm like is everyone in this vehicle at risk? Like what right. is yeah. how graphic is this going to be? Mm. And her head doesn't burst open, so it's not like graphic in that sense. No. But it's still like the discoloration of her eye and the fact mm-hmm. that her eye kind of yeah, like disconnects and goes sideways, and like I was like, it, I'm I, as that was happening, I was like, oh, Pete hated that, but I thought it was <laughs> wicked, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, and the masks, I said they were used again, and like you said, they were used in a good way, and you got some really cool sequences out of them, and yeah, getting a bit of the science behind them was a bit of fun too, and. I think just I finally came to a realization when I started scoring this at this point. I made a note that I really preferred the corniness of the MI2 gadgets. And then I think just in general, I think I preferred the corniness of MI2 in general. And I think I'm retroactively like bumping up what I scored that movie up by like one overall point. Just Oh, I, I don't know that you can do that. I, oh. I call me crazy. Call me crazy. Oh, that like, that like... Breaks I'm down everything it. that the, 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 the scoring system stands for. I know, but I'm crazy. I, I'm crazy. No arguments here. Okay. Two, moving two on out of ten. Moving to, on. Moving on to fights and action. I also gave this a nine. I thought the action Ooh. sequences in this were fantastic. Santa Maria. Like, whether it's, it's him jumping from one roof like swinging from one roof over to the next and then landing on it and like sliding down and like having only so Mm. long to take the guards out before he has to like twist around and try to like he's not out of the woods he's he's like sliding down this thing i thought that was great um there's like some car chasey moments that are a lot of fun there's some helicopter moments that are a lot of fun yeah um there's but really like at the moment that like i was i was grinning ear to ear so many times in this film but one of the moments <laughs> wow. was you know they're like they've got 5 minutes to go to make this phone call right and the plan is that ethan's going to get to the roof and he's going to parachute off the roof he's going to space jump off the roof which is already risky because it's kind of just barely high enough Mm -hmm. in order to do this successfully and then just this phone call comes through and it happens so fast like the timing is perfect this phone call comes through and it's like i've got the rabbit's foot but i can't get to the roof what look up and he just like comes out the window with and then the parachute's happening and then he like crashes through another window and and I instantly knew, I predicted what was going to happen. The second he came through this window, I started chuckling and smiling because I knew, I was like, the parachute's still hanging out the window. He's going back out this window. Like, as soon as there's a gust of wind, he's gone. And sure enough, yeah. he was. I Yeah, it was just, it was entertaining. And the note that I have is that this feels like... And I could be wrong, 
But this feels like the genesis of the Mission Impossible Tom Cruise doing his own ridiculous stunts thing. Because Mm. as I noted in Mission Impossible 2, Mm. there were like some, there were like green screened moments that didn't make any sense to be green screened. (laughs) He's like rappelling down an elevator shaft or whatever. And it's like, you know, there's an explosion behind him or something, but it looked terrible. Mm. It looked truly awful. Whereas nothing in this felt green screened. It was like, I, that's either, that's actually Tom Cruise doing it or it's a Tom Cruise lookalike, but someone actually just jumped off that building to swing over to the other one. And (laughs) yeah. And I, so for me, that was exciting. This is the first Mission Impossible movie where I really felt the, the level of action. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I will again, I think I, I wonder if I'll be having a pattern here where I'm this MI2 apologist, but I will remind you, (laughs) MI2 did have the opening rock face scene where he, like John Woo wanted to have like nets out and things and like Tom Cruise was like, yeah. no way Jose. Yeah. And also the, it looked fake, but it was apparently real where the villain like shoved a knife in Tom Cruise's like eye space and was like millimeters from his eye. And they had like the knife yeah. tied to a screen. So like there were some moments where like, I think the Tom Cruise intense stunts was starting to bleed through, but maybe we're really coming into full form. I now. think this is where we're full Monty now. Sure. I gave fights in action. <laughs> Number two. What? I just, I found oh fights, I gave fights in action a two out of ten. I found them really pedestrian. I really did. Yeah. It's there all, was just it's all, all shit you've done before. <laughs> I just, I found it in a word unremarkable. I don't know. Wow. Just, yeah. I will say the things that were, I would say two things that were good and maybe they were worth a point each. And that's why I got two out of 10. The law. And actually it's coincidental because teaser to our upcoming, uh, in the near future, Patreon episode, where we're going to be talking about many things about stop movie stars. One of them being Tom Cruise, but coincidentally, Carl made fun of um, Tom Cruise's running and said he ran funny. <laughs> and I will say that this long uncut sequence oh, of Tom Cruise wicked. running, that was very good. I it's will so say good. no problems with that as far as fights in action. Because that was he's, great. He's he's like running 11 out of 10 for yes. three quarters of a mile. Like it oh, just, yeah. The longer it went on. Yeah. It didn't become, you'd think, oh, it just kept going, it just kept going, and like, and then it kind of got ridiculous. No, it yeah. kept going, and, and the longer it went, the more I was like, yes, <laughs> run. <laughs> like, it just, it was, yeah. it was wicked. It was. I will admit that was pretty good. And the other thing, the car coming, uh, this one I didn't actually think it was that cool until I, I thought about it, but the whole car coming within inches of hitting Ethan was intense and it was brief. Yeah. But just thinking about the coordination and the choreography of like falling perfectly, stopping the car perfectly and, and getting the camera angle perfectly and all those things that would have had to been really practiced and coerced just to get this one instantaneous moment. And it was just a split scene, split second scene in the film but after looking at it and watching it again on YouTube a couple of times, I'm like, okay, that was actually more intense than I think I gave it credit for. So it, there were a couple of good scenes, but overall the action was just a two out of 10. Two for out me. of 10. Okay. Romantic interest. I gave it an eight. 
I think Michelle Monaghan is is great in this. I'm so glad that Julia doesn't die because yeah. I'm I want more. I want more of this dynamic. And I think not only is she great in it, not only does she really play off the role well of, you know, like, you know, so I'm kind of wondering, like, why are we in China? <laughs> like, she's just like, <laughs> doing her best, right? She's doing her best not to, like, jump the shark here and be like, okay, I need all the details right now. Like, the, yeah. th- those I need you to trust me scenes were amazing. Mm. And... She's a total badass with that gun. Like, yeah. She, I mean, the guy's definitely dead. She had two clips and killed two guys. So, <laughs> hopefully, that's all that was coming because mm-hmm. she was out of bullets. But, um, no, she was a lot of fun. And I think there's something to be said for a love interest for our action hero who is also a spouse because mm. it's. It's now, it's not just the guy, you know, like happens in so many 007 films, like has happened in previous Mission Impossible films. It's no longer just the, you know, you're not just threatening the girl that he's he's sleeping with. You're not just like hurting his chances of a booty call. <laughs> You've gone after his family now. Yeah, yeah. That's a different game altogether. And so it just elevates it. It elevates Going it so after much. his booty call. <laughs> you know, like... That's true. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right? The girlfriend dies, and then he's like, ah, I don't know how to end this film now. Like, I've got this boat <laughs> sitting here waiting <laughs> right. by the dock. So what if we don't leave having do? sex on this boat, then I... Oh. What do I, do? I just roll the credits, I guess. Like I, you know. But this was like now he's got someone to go home to. They're going off on right. their honeymoon. It's like it. It just felt more. There's just more to it. So yeah, eight out of ten. Very cool. I wasn't too far off. I didn't give it a, a, a an eight. I gave it a six, and I thought it was good. I really enjoyed Michelle Monaghan. Um, I. I think my only reason not giving it higher is as much as I liked her in it, I feel I could have had her be a bit of a bigger role. And I I understand that gets into tough territories where Ethan is your protagonist and she's not part of the team. So like, it'd be, why is she there all the time? Yeah. So like, and I don't know how I would change that, but I think I just wanted her a little bit more involved. Um, And just with her, not dying which was a good thing and knowing that there's so many more films and us being in the dark because we haven't seen the other films i am just curious where we're going from here because that's a dynamic that we've it's hinted at a couple times in james bond and then due to plot reasons we never have to deal with it and i'm just curious what's going to happen here like is she going to get food poisoning and always be at home feeling under the weather and all the other movies and we never see her or is she going to skip town? Cause she says, you know, like, I'm just curious where they go with this from a narrative perspective. If I had to guess in order to include her more in the show or in the, mm-hmm. in the movies moving forward. Yeah. I would guess that, um, that she's going to end up working a desk job. At oh, okay. IMF. 
you know what? That makes more sense. That's more believable than, hey, she's a field agent, because that wouldn't just make any sense. Which would also create for some, like, fantastic, like, on the phone with him right before he does something very risky, trying to talk him out Mm. of it, saying the potential goodbyes. Like, it it would create a lot of really great story moments. It could also make, uh, to the opposite of what you're saying, some intense moments. I could see some absolutely funny moments where they're like talking on an earpiece with each other where she's saying like, oh, make sure you pick up the milk on the way home. And he's like snapping a terrorist's neck or something like yeah. just like yeah. some or really says fun. Something, says something kind of risque, <laughs> not realizing there's other people on the comm channel or like whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, and th- the only thing I'll say. Yep. is how long was her dang lunch break at work? Like, to get married and, like, do quote-unquote other things in the broom closet? Like, my my lord. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any of those sterile supplies are sterile anymore. <laughs> but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, moving on, supporting characters. I gave it a seven. Um, yeah, I gave it a seven. I, we've already talked about we have Michelle Monaghan. We have... Mm-hmm. Um, Ving Rhames is back as Luthor. Thank God. Fantastic. I was like, I was like, I was lukewarm to him showing up in the second one. I was like, oh, okay. You know what? But I think once I got like, once I just accepted that, that this is the dynamic of this franchise, Mm -hmm. then yeah, him showing up was, was great. Made sense. Yep. We have Jonathan Reese Myers as uh, Declan. I have to say that was kind of unexpected. Like I'm not, I'm not really familiar with his movies, but I was quite surprised he was here. Yeah, and uh, I could just like I want him to narrate. A, I want him to do like an audio book, and I'll buy the audio book because just that accent is, is something else. Uh, Carrie Russell as Lindsay Ferris was. Uh, I, hmm, I'm going to you keep going. I'm going to have to Google who that is. That's the to carry Ru- That's the daughter of Kurt Russell. Uh, isn't that um, Kate Hudson? I thought. Isn't that a daughter of it his? Also, is absolutely. Okay. So, what? What did you say, Carrie? So, someone can have more than one child. No, no I'm not saying. So you said Carrie Russell. Mm-hmm. Carrie. C or K E R I. Carrie Russell. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm not saying you can only have one child or something. I mean, whoever she is, on. she's in Cocaine Bear. She so is. That's, yeah, apparently. She's also in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. She's also in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. She is. She's in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Do you want to just go through the whole. Like, what are we, <laughs> I'm just, I've what are we doing just here? found out she existed, so I'm just surprised she's in all these movies that I've seen. Yeah, because Kurt Russell's got at least three kids, right? He's got. Um, well, that's something new I learned. He's got Carrie Russell, okay. who, who we saw in this film. Oh, I think I recognize her from, like, there's a picture from the 90s that I maybe recognize now. Yeah. We have Kate Hudson. And then we have Wyatt Russell, who was the guy from, uh, he was he's in the MCU now, right? He was in um, Falcon oh. and Winter Soldier. I think I recognize her. I think she was like the babysitter in Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. So I'm on yes. the same page. I'm yep. here now. Yeah. Yep. She's the one that, yeah, that kind of gets roped along and they make out yeah. in the convertible and the pocket. Right. Of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. See, we're all caught up. Uh, <laughs> but either way, I gave it I gave it a seven out of ten, especially because we get the introduction of Simon Pegg as Benji, who I knew was coming in this series. I did not know it was in this one. I kind of figured maybe it was in the next one. Um but he was he's I Simon Pegg. He's a welcome addition. He's he's more than a welcome addition. Seven out of ten. Mm. I you won't believe this. Two out of ten. <laughs> I actually gave a score higher than you. I gave eight out of ten. I oh, also shit. thought what a strong, strong category. I love Luther. I am just that is one of my favorite things, aside from the the music in this show. Luther recurring is something I didn't realize I would be as into as I am. Right. Uh, So Luther was amazing. Lawrence Fishburne, we've touched on, was amazing. Um, Take the red. Did you mention? Did you mention the Aaron Paul cameo? No, to hell with him. No, I did. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. But like, I did a double take. I'm like, was that the guy from Breaking Bad? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on here? And you mentioned Jonathan Reese Myers. Yeah, he was. He was good. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind Simon Pegg. I just find he's a little annoying. Like he's, I think it's just that most of his scenes, it's re- where Tom Cruise is requiring something timely to happen. And it's like, I feel the angst of like Simon Pegg, just do what he's asking. And he's just a bit of a bumbling, like, it's not protocol. Yeah. But I mean, he's also asking him to commit treason. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It makes you know, sense. It for sure makes sense. Like, I would probably also hesitate. <laughs> but yeah, I gave it eight out of ten. Uh, this was a jam-packed section. Final category. Intro sequence. Yeah. I gave this a nine out of ten. Oh and, my good. And it was almost a ten out of ten, but I'll tell you what brought it down. I, this was so intense. Like okay. this Walk intro sequence like, happens just with like, it, they show us essentially a moment from the climax of the film at the beginning, right? True. It's it's Ethan and who he believes to be Julia um, right. sitting in the chair and, and Ethan's got the charge in his head and Philip Seymour Hoffman is going to count to 10. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't have the device and Ethan's like, what, what are you talking about? I gave you the device. Like, I, like I, I'm not even bluffing. Like I genuinely don't know. I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you want. Yeah. And and he's like holding the gun to her and he's counting and Ethan's like freaking out. He gets to five and Ethan like lets out a burst of like he starts shaking and screaming and like because he's 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 so panicked. The anxiety has just overcome him. And then mm-hmm. and then he reaches six. And Philip Seymour Hoffman shoots this girl in the in the knee, and oh, it's just it's so intense, it's so intense, and and um 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 Tom Cruise starts crying like please like don't do this, don't do this. He's like he's like tearing up, he's a mess, and then we hear ten, and the screen cuts to black, and and we hear the gunshot and it's like <gasps> and so like this mm-hmm. happened and i almost needed to like pause the movie and take a breather <laughs> cuz it yeah. was like wow what brought it down from a 10 up until okay. that moment it was a 10 yeah okay what brought it yeah. down from a 10 was they still not near as bad as they did in the second one but they still tried to get a little funky with the theme song 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And literally only for like the first three seconds, just during that like intro to the song. And then I thought it like got back on track and it was the Mission Impossible theme song that we all know and love. But there was still just that like it wasn't that that like piano thing happening that like that we all know as being the intro to the Mission Impossible theme song. And I just so that brought it down. That brought it Mm -hmm. down. And I was happy to see that the song stayed the way it should other than that but i was just like oh like way to just like you had me right at the moment mm-hmm. you had me right i was about to i was about to explode all over the walls with how great this was and then you just snuffed out my flame like that and and so that brought it down it brought it down to a nine but i loved this intro sequence i absolutely loved it hmm. nine out of ten I gave a third of what you gave. I gave a three out of oh ten. Oh my god! Oh, but this is like the okay. best part of okay. the movie. Now, okay, now let me let me clarify. I I think I really based what my ranking was heavily on the music that really dragged it down. So I'm not talking. I agree. The intensity was great. Going, who is she? Why does Tom Cruise care so much about her? And then getting into sort of like that was. That was okay. No problems there. Just, we do get the MI theme returning, and it's somewhat of a normal rendition. But, but then, wrong. like you said, it it just is off by like a touch. And it just, for me, ruins it. Because I just, you've got something perfect, stick with it. Don't reinvent the wheel. And what I think what it came down to was, in James Bond movies, as crappy as some of them are, some of the opening music sequences where you've got a different song and you really look forward to it and get into it, that's a moment. That's an, an event, or at least part of the movie. And with this, when you kind of skew over and blow over the one thing that you've got that you don't need to reinvent, like you could just play the same clip over and over again and I'd be there for it, that is what underwhelms me a bit. And that's why I was really hard on this scoring segment. So um, I, I will say... It was better than the MI2 soundtrack overall. I was fine that we weren't leaning on the heavy 2000s rock scene Metallica vibe anymore. Like, that just wasn't doing it for me in MI2. I wonder if they got backlash. (laughs) I hope so, because it was bad in MI2. Um, But it, it still didn't have a great pulsing theme moment or a climax. or Like, in the climax or action moments, there wasn't, like... There wasn't like a duh, 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 that stood out to me that I really enjoyed. Maybe it was there and I missed it, but like, I just really want them to lean into the theme a bit more. And that didn't quite happen for me. So that's why I was really hard on this. Yeah. Like, in, it, like especially that, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it here, but that mm-hmm. like starting where it's like, like, and yes, you just yes, know, yes. you know what's coming. And you got it in number one, and you got it maybe at the beginning, but you for sure even got it at the end of number one. Oh, number one was flawless. And it was flawless, and it was such a perfect sequence where you get him sitting in a plane, and we've all had our laughs. The fuse is burning. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, at the end of number one, I'm talking where the everyone's oh, been yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. We've 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 done what we needed to do, and Tom Cruise is ordering a, a movie to watch in the plane, and then like he, oh, this message is for me. And then you get you get the tingling of the piano, and it's only yeah. maybe a second or two at most. Mm-hmm. And as the audience, you're like, oh yeah, I and know I, what's and coming. I, 
that's not something that we need to evolve. That no. like, leave that have everyone start the same and have it yes. end with teeing up the next mission. Yes. I I Just literally said that. You we're on the same page here. Honestly, copy and paste every single movie. You're right. Like we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Uh okay. Time I first of all, I'm amazed that we're on the same page about something with this film. <laughs> yeah, that is. Second of all, it's time to tally our scores. So if sure. I take all those numbers and I average them up, and I'm going to do a quick recap here. So Mission Impossible 1, I gave a 7.25. Okay. Mission Impossible 2, I gave a 5, which was rounded up from, like, I, I round to the nearest 0.25, right? So it was, sure. I think it was like 4.8 something, something, but it's still, it's a 5. Mission Impossible 3 got an 8.5. And I'm telling you right now, this is one of, this is top three of the greatest spy movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I really liked this movie. You're drinking I the Kool-Aid. I really right. liked it. Yeah, I yeah. really liked it. What does your score reveal? I'm sorry, just to confirm, so this is the highest scoring of the three then, for you? Yes, so the next closest was Mission Impossible 1 with a 7.25. So this gotcha. is 1.25 of a ranking higher. Okay. 10.2%. 10, 10. Well, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I gave MI2 a 7, retroactively. <laughs> I Garbage. gave Mission Impossible... I gave Mission Impossible a six, and I gave Mission Impossible a five. So this I gave a five out of ten. It it's kind of I I averaged it or I I altered it a little bit. It was like five point something. So like I very minorly rounded down to the five to just make it a nice even yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. But uh, a five out of ten. So listen, that hurts. I, I, I it, and like I said, there's I don't have real big problems with it. I think. The if I had to summarize it in one thing, I think just the uncomfortableness of the intensity of the villain and how I never felt comfortable viewing this maybe hurt it for me. And I think if it was just a bit more action heavy or a little bit more easy to watch, I think I maybe would have enjoyed it more. So regardless, it's not bad as much as I was ripping on aspects of it while we reviewed it. It's right down the middle, but it's definitely not the best for me. And it's the, the third of the three so far. I will always remember Mission Impossible 3 as the film that gave Tom Cruise a much-needed haircut. That, we can agree. As much as I loved MI2, the long no, hair was garbage. just a bit much. It looks so stupid. <laughs> All right, sir, very quickly, what'd you watch this week? Oh, that's a good question. Let me get that out. I do have a couple things I will add. Okay. I've got the little list here. Let me just pop it out. All right. So, I think... Oh, yeah, okay. The next thing... Okay. I watched a 2022 film starring Nicolas Cage called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I I gave it a 5 out of 10. You know, it really didn't hold up as much as I was I think I was wanting it to. It's fun, though. Like, it's like it's self-aware in a really yes, fun way. 
listen, I'm not here to say it's bad. It's a five out of 10. I will just say I had fun with the references. You're right. It's self-aware. I think just, I think I could have had more fun with it. I think there could have just as wild as this is, I feel like they could have leaned into it even more. And um, that may have increased my enjoyment and increased my score. But as it was, I was a little bit underwhelmed with it. Not bad, funny to watch, but I, I think I was, I had higher hopes for it. Okay. Um, I watched another 2022 film, uh, called Uncharted with, uh, obviously our friend, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, who I didn't realize was siblings to, uh, one of the members of new kids on the block that was news to me yeah and uh antonio banderas who is not related to anyone from new kids on the block and uh i gave i gave uncharted a six out of ten you know what i had low expectations for this that's kind of what you need <laughs> listen i'm not here to talk about we've we've actually okay there's a couple things to unpack here Yes, low expectations. Yes, I wasn't expecting much. Yes, we've watched the 15-minute YouTube short, Uncharted, uh, directed and produced and, and created by Alan Ungar, who we've all check it out our episodes. We've interviewed him talking about Bandit. Really well done. Really impressive little project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we joked when we talked to him saying, you know, we feel that yours was the superior Uncharted movie. And it was it was a good line. But all I'll say is, you know what, this one, I had low expectations. Will I watch it again? I'm not sure. Did I regret watching it? I don't think so. I think I was just in the right headspace where I just wanted a light adventure movie yep. where I get some bright landscapes. I get some funny, witty lines. I get which some, it does. you know, which it does. And you know, I didn't need anything more than that. I wasn't expecting, you know, I wasn't expecting the intensity and the, the, the narrative and the flow that was in MI3. The things that we said were good about that action movie were not in Uncharted. They're just different movies. And if you go in with lower expectations, I had a lot of fun with Uncharted. So if you're just wanting a light adventure movie, it was, it was more entertaining than I thought it would be. So I gave that a six out of 10. Okay. Um, and then the only thing that I watched, I, this is on my app of list of things, but this is quite old. And I think I just skipped over this, uh, when it was seasonally appropriate, I watched Valentine's day closer to Valentine's day. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's got the pretty much, you know, any famous person you've ever it's quite seen an ense- in Hollywood ensemble is, cast is in it. It's got, uh, uh, scream threes, Patrick Dempsey. Mm hmm. And I like Scream. I like that it's Scream's three, Scream three's Patrick Dempsey and not uh, not Grey's Anatomy's. Well, just Patrick, hold the Patrick phone, Dempsey. Mr. Brady. It's got Scream four's Emma Roberts. Yeah, no, yeah, and it's got Scream seven's Taylor Swift. Uh, quite possibly. I just I, I just mean, made that up. This the Scream franchise <laughs> is the litmus test. We don't know that. yeah anyway i gave it a five out of ten you know it's just a silly funny movie hadn't quite aged as well as i thought it was so you know it's not as funny as i remember it and um as a rom-com it's not that i was holding it to very high standards but right down the middle tolerable there's not a whole lot of valentine's day specific movies i guess there's a lot of romantic movies but um yeah five out of ten nothing special but 
it's got a star-studded cast, so you get you get some fun and you get some things afforded to that when you've got so many famous people all collaborating there. So, mm-hmm. what did you watch this week? Uh, not much, but I will, uh, but but definitely something. So, we a, a long time ago, I probably mentioned that I had watched. Captain America, the first Captain Mm. America movie, because here at home, we were looking at watching through the MCU in timeline order. Oh, not in the order of release, but in the order, like the in-universe chronological order. Um, And so, and that was forever ago. We watched that and then we started watching the next thing technically was the Agent Carter TV show. We watched about three episodes of Agent Carter, and then I was just kind of like, "Is this necessary? <laughs> like, is this <laughs> I, like I don't know? I life is short. Do I need to commit to this? Yeah, they're answering questions I don't need. So we've decided to sort of like <laughs> they're answering questions I don't need. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, let's revise this. Let's stick. Let's stick to like MCU proper. So the films, and then like the Disney Plus shows. Mm, um, yeah. And so this past week we watched uh, Iron Man, the first Iron nice. Man. Nice. I don't and think I've watched it since I saw it in theaters. To really? Be quite wow. Yeah. And then Iron Man two. Nice. And uh, next up on the docket, which I think we're going to watch tonight, is um, uh, the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton mm. as, as Hulk and uh, yep. Liv Tyler. As, what? She's uh, in that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sure is. It's Betty Ross. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. I mean, nice. we we started, we finally finished um, Two and a Half Men. Oh, nice. And so now our half hour show that we throw on when we've only got like half hour to watch something, uh, we've gone back to, we were watching through The Simpsons. Mm, and we got yep. to like season, mid, middle of season three or something, and uh, then just kind of like moved on to other things. So we're back on The Simpsons. Nice. So, and that's it. Right on. That's all I watched. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wrap it up, sir. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out our socials below. Like, follow, subscribe. Give us a good rate and review wherever you can. We love hearing back from you. So whether it's uh, sending us a message, whether it's commenting, giving us a like, we do enjoy that. Please uh, consider uh, checking, out our, checking out our Patreon page, our merchandise page. Help us support the show, keep it running, and help us give you some perks back. Perks such as increased voting power, depending on what tier you go to, uh, p- occasional live stream, occasional bonus content, occasional uh, input for what voting options we have, and dropping a teaser. We do have an upcoming uh, Patreon bonus episode coming up, so uh, there's all our backlog of extra content that you can access, but we've we've also got new uh, upcoming bonus content coming forward as well, so just more, all the more reasons to uh, for as little as a dollar a month, help uh, the show pay its bills and uh, grow. And uh, to all our existing Patreon supporters, we honestly, sincerely thank you so much. And to everyone who listens, we also thank you so very much. Did you mention our merch? You plug our merch? Very briefly. I didn't get into how we've got um, onesies and... Twosies. Um, twosies yep. and water wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surprising, got the, surprisingly big seller. I like <laughs> the the movie men's sombrero we have. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And uh that's about it. There's other good merch there too, though. Yeah. 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 
yeah, socks and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. You know. We should get into, you know, those like little stupid like fingernail covers you put on your dog so it doesn't scratch your floor. We'd have hmm. to print the logo so small that you wouldn't be able to read it, but Yeah. But I I'm not sure but we'd know. Yeah, we'd I'm not know. Yeah. Yeah.